Hey, welcome to the Mostly Skateboarding Podcast. I'm your host, Temple Tonelli, and I'm joined this week by Patrick Gagongo and Mike Munzenreiter for a chat about beef. But first, we remember Consolidated Skateboards, who announced this week, after 30 years, that they're calling it quits. Mike, how will you remember Consolidated? Hard not to associate Consolidated with the early 2000s when they supported like a grip of Twin City skaters. Uh, Steve Nessa rode for them, Clint Peterson, Seth McCollum, Ulu Pratt was on there. Even Brian Heck from North Dakota was on there. And um, it's hard not to think of those days and like Bratrude art. Like my, my remembrance, my memory of the company is definitely how many years old? Like 18 years old. And I think maybe, you know, at least for some people, like the Todd Bratrude art in that era is kind of the memory of consolidated because that, in my mind, of course, I'm very biased here. Like that was the best that company ever was. And they kind of, you know, after that leaned into the don't do it, uh, that don't do it anti-Nike movement and maybe lost some personality. But uh, yeah, I always remember it from the Minneapolis supporting days because Minneapolis was absolutely a consolidated city there for a while. Like, you know, I worked at shops at the time. You were ordering, you know, two dozen boards and they were all selling. Damn. Yeah. How about you, Patrick? Like What's that? your memory of Consolidated? Oh, don't do it. I had the don't do it sticker on my car for ages. My Volvo 240 station wagon. Also the best <laughs> skate whip, best music whip ever. What's funny, though, is that greater New York area, there wasn't as much of a debate about Nike and Adidas versus core shoe companies because, I mean, everybody rocked those shoes just as chillers. So it didn't carry the same heft, but it was... It was just so funny. People were always wondering, what, what do you mean? Don't do it. What, what does that mean? Consolidated. What's consolidated skateboards? And I like that sort of ironic, detached attitude that they had, like or consolidated corporate skateboarders. And, you know, there's a couple of companies now which are kind of carrying that in the same vein. I saw that somebody had mentioned Skate Mental, but it's two totally different senses of humor. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I never saw a consolidated board in the wild back in the 90s. Uh, the riders were sick, though. Um, Alan Peterson, especially... And it's Karma Sochef, right? I don't Whatever know. you say, man. <laughs> that, that's when the podcast world meets the print world. And it's like all these names that I've had in my head for a million years. I, I never said out loud. Yeah, I've, I can spell it just fine. My spelling was good enough. But I've never been 100% sure on the pronunciation. And I don't think I've seen a video interview with him, at least not in a while. Anyway, 30 years is a nice round number. Uh, I loved, I love that little aside, that little detour about Consolidated in the Andy Roy epically later. That was, that was just fun. <laughs> and maybe we'll get to that later when we're talking about beef. But the thing is, Consolidated were shit stirrers. And in an era where a lot of people were just cool with taking money from wherever and when skateboard was becoming to more professionalized and more formalized and was establishing a lot of guardrails, they kind of were reminded us of the, you know, they were kind of like skateboarding's class clown. You know, class clown does serve a purpose. A class clown, more often than not, tends to be more clever or cleverer or whatever than you give them credit for. And I think skateboarding is going to miss that because there's so much sincerity now in skating as opposed to the 90s, which was a much more, everything is just so jaded. You know, we've talked about this over the last few episodes. You know, the only thing I care about is not caring. Well, consolidated was that. And now, like, that's a rare attitude to find in skating. Even for kids who are trying to pretend like, oh, I don't give a shit. Nah, they love this shit. They're, they're very sentimental. What do y'all think? I mean, I, I got to push back on the not caring thing. I think Consolidated cared a lot. 
you know, like that's kind of what the whole don't do it campaign was, is about caring about skateboarding, caring about core skateboarding. And I think that there was like a, a sincerity there. You know, it got me like I was don't do it army, you know, for a long time until I found out that you could be a blogger and maybe get a job at Nike. Uh, <laughs> I sold out instantly when I heard that. What is selling out in 2022, though? Yeah, I don't think it's even possible to sell out now. <laughs> People got bills to pay. Uh, there's definitely some skaters, some pro skaters with student loans. I know that's for sure. And also skateboarding is hard. Running a, Doing anything in skateboarding is hard. So the fact that they made it to 30 years, props to them. Because 30 years is a hell of a milestone for any business, regardless of size. You know, the average small business fails after five years. To be able to maintain at least a following and to be have something to show for. I mean, shout out to them. Like they, they did something. They were in their own lane. Shit. I mean, they had a bigger impact than numbers did, you know, the super team. Wow. 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 How can you say <laughs> was that, that silly, uh, that silly quote from um, Hannibal Burris that's often used on Eric Andre. He's kind of leaning back in the chair. How can you say something so, so outrageous yet so true or so bold? I don't know. It doesn't hit the same way when you <laughs> talk about it in real life. Anyway. Yeah, you're right. Like, is anybody checking for numbers in 2022? Nope. I mean, I I forgot about numbers. I'd forgotten. Like they I got mean, like big like whoo energy. I mean, you go back and like consolidated. You you already name checked AP and Karma. I mean, Roberto Aleman, that dude ripped. Like I know there was some Twitter chatter about the company going under, and people love those videos. Like. They're, they had a good run in the 2000s with some good videos. Behold, trying to think of the other ones. You know, they'd always put out <laughs> epic tour videos. Like, they definitely had, they had an ethos. And I think that brands kind of don't have that as much anymore. Like, no. I'm, I'm, I'm skeptical. I, maybe skeptical is not the wrong word, right word. But, like, they went too hard. I, I think my, my, my one criticism of the don't do it thing where I'm pretty... I'm agnostic on that front. Nobody's ever really proved to me that like Nike is going to ruin skateboarding for me, Mike Munzenreiter. And I feel like they, they went so hard on the don't do it that they kind of weren't anything else beyond that. Like some of the, some of the raw, some of the devil may care type attitude, you know, some of the kind of like, Oh, we're, we're a little fucked up, but it's good that way. Like that got lost in kind of a circular argument against something, especially when, I, I feel like that battle was lost, you know? Yeah, I agree. I think, I think they, they played the don't do it hand a little too long, but it, it definitely worked on me for a long time, you know, until all of a sudden it didn't, you know, it's worth, it's worth noting too, that like knowing a lot of guys from around here where when don't do it came on a lot of guys, Minnesota guys who uh, just by way of like having a Nike FB rep who was local in town, like one of the originals for the Midwest was from the Twin Cities. So there were a lot of Twin Cities people and Nike connections. And so Consolidated kind of cleaned house after a certain point when they went full, don't do it. Like I should just say for, you know, full disclosure there, definitely had friends lose their sponsors or lose a job involved with that. And, you know, I trying to be as impartial as I can, but there's, there's, there's definitely a part of me that's just kind of like, how far did that get you? Obviously, it resonated with people like Templeton's been saying, but at the same time, it's like, seemed like a dead end. I don't know if it seemed like a dead end. It's just more like, um, 
we might be at a point now where there must be people at Nike who've probably got don't do it on their vision board and think like, yo, this right. is the coolest, most subversive shit. This was ill. I can't believe that a company went to war with us and like it became a whole subcultural thing. If anything, for a Nike, that was clout. Yeah. You know, Damn, I never to thought be about big like enough that. to be hated. Me neither. Like, <laughs> if, if, if people are, if a whole other skate company is devoting time, money, and resources to hating on you in the form of a sticker, the highest form of currency among skateboarders, because you know we love stickers. The right sticker lives forever and you see it everywhere and don't do it was that thing. For Nike, that was basically, it was almost like getting jumped into a gang. They had arrived, especially in the era of like peak print era, where you had lots and lots and lots of rivalries in magazines. It was a cool thing to get somebody, you know, have somebody talk shit about you. Because think about all the other people who were trying to break into skateboarding. Nobody was beefing with, well, not beefing, whatever. No, nobody was trying to start anything with soap shoes or sketchers. Everyone understood, like, look, these shoes are corny, but our homies are getting nice checks from doing these ads. Nobody's going to hold it against them. But people decided to take shots at Nike and it was consolidated. So if anything to me, I think that's what really bought help. One of the things that really helped bring Nike into the fold. Once they stopped making bad shoes and, you know, they were still getting that heat from consolidated. You're like, oh, okay, guess they're sticking around for a while. Right. Yeah. It did kind of double their impact or double the, the space in people's brains. Cause you'd see a Nike ad and then you'd see an anti Nike ad, which you're still thinking about Nike. Um, one thing that's amazing about consolidated is the congratulations. It's a man board. Do you guys remember that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Vaguely. Fantastic. I think I had a friend who had one. It's like, you know, woman on a gurney in the, in the, not on a gurney, but like a hospital bed, legs in stirrups. And then this doctor is holding like a middle-aged man with like male pattern baldness and a shitty beard. It's a fantastic graphic. I mean, they I, even, even, I think it was some non-Bratrude stuff. I don't know who the other artists would have been doing that stuff, but like, I'm, I'm obviously a big fan of Todd's art. But they had some killer board graphics. Shit that probably wouldn't really fly today. Not necessarily because it was any, let's just say, you know, like blankist or whatever. Like it didn't really cross those lines, but it was definitely like just gnarly, gnarlier than I think skateboarding is uh, up for today. Yeah, they did have really good graphics at times. Uh, one of the ones that they've had, they've run for a long time. It's like a two bunny rabbits talking and one of them rips his uh, paw off and gives it to the other one and it's like, here, I want you to have this. It's good luck. Right. <laughs> That's pretty fucking funny. It's just like a dark humor. And that, that really gets me. Oh, I, I just said some blood, some guts. Yeah, it makes me think like Consolidated falls somewhere between Skate Mental and Antihero. Because I think Antihero has that like smart, dark humor. And Skate Mental is a little more silly. And then Consolidated's somewhere in between. Yeah, like you figure like they are almost like uh, three regulars at a bar. They, they occupy very <laughs> similar but different positions, you know, like all in a row. Like you can see them all hanging out together. Maybe Creature creature shows up every now and then. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, they had a fan base. I mean, you don't do something like that for 30 years just to throw money out the window. Somebody was buying those boards and some bodies were indeed buying those boards. And that's an awesome thing. Like, so, I mean, dog, shout out to them. They had a, they had a great run. And the fact that that Don't Do It campaign landed when it did the way that it did and that it did stir some pretty awesome conversation in skating in that aspect they won consolidated did it right they did something they added something to that conversation it's 
It would be awesome if somebody was really collecting all of these stories so that it's not just kind of lost to hearsay. I would have, would be great to know how did that come about and how well did those stickers do? And, you know, does anybody remember don't do it? Like if you drop those today, would anybody care? Well, they're going to be doing a, um, like a send off uh, sometime soon. So we may hear some of those stories yeah. at that time, which definitely would be interesting. You know, those guys stirred a lot of shit, so I'm sure they've got lots of stories to, do- to tell, and they don't seem like the type that would uh, bite their tongues too much. Mm-hmm. Oh, so kind of like a, almost like a, a skate version of an Irish wake. We all just sit around and shoot the shit about the person or the company that has passed. I think, yeah, I think that's kind of what it is. Cool. And they're, they're like bringing on past riders, past you know, associates and stuff, and they're going to talk, talk consolidated. It's going to be like that, uh, that funeral scene in killer season, right? We'll yeah, link I to that no one idea show what that reference is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Wait, I, am I really the only one here who's seen killer season multiple times? I have not seen killer season. So apparently so. All right. That's your homework for this weekend. You got to watch killer season and you got to watch choices parts one and two by three, six mafia. Done. All right. Um, 30 years. So isn't there, you know, we, we have that loose rule. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a tight rule. I don't know. 20 years for a skateboard brand where a lot of them either, you know, kind of just implode or try to pivot and change their identity. Like, it feels like consolidated, maintained, though they kind of were, you know, well, they're out of business now. So they were running out of gas for a little bit here. But was that company like too purely 90s? to maintain in our day and age. Like I'm thinking back to, you know, print ads where it's 250 words with no skate photo and it's, <laughs> it's ideas and it's subversion. Like we're just in such a less kind of cutting time. Oh, you just reminded me cause they had that beef with Bo Turner. Should I save this for later in the show? I mean, it's a crossover. Just, just, just it's a crossover from the hit man. Oh, they had some great, they had some like, it felt like that could that could be a thing, and that was an era where there were lots of fights at trade shows, at the big competitions like Slam City Jam. Um, I was just listening to the recent interview with Tony Ferguson over on the Bunt, and he talks about Slam City Jam. He says it was great fun every year, but he's not really sure why the contest went away. Anyway, uh, back to it. Like, yeah, consolidated beef with Bo Turner from Alien and Alien and. You know, it was Bo Turner. Bo Turner was ready and is still ready to turn up. You know, he'll bring it straight to your door. And that was fun. That was entertaining. Uh, maybe, yeah, it is a 90s thing. You, if you dropped an ad like that, people would be like, who gives a shit? Yeah, I think it, with the death of print media and like the rise of Instagram and we can all kind of silo or um, we can all choose the coverage that we see, it's pretty easy to avoid consolidated. But I think with, with right. print, it's like, damn, what's Consolidated got to say this month? Like, maybe I'm not that interested in Consolidated's riders, but, the you know, the ads are always interesting. And, yeah, they just couldn't couldn't break through, I think. Because I, I definitely I, stopped paying attention when I didn't, when I stopped getting magazines. Yeah, I, I agree. And I'm going to have to sidebar because I've had this idea thousands of times on this podcast, which only has, what, 120 episodes? But, no, oh, got to be 150. Who knows? The, the the diminution of skateboard advertising in general, like skateboard ads suck now. And I miss print ads because I miss like grabbing a thrasher and we'd always, I know exactly, I still know where the girl ad would be, you know, front of book, 
25 pages in. You you knew where the girl lad was going to be, and you'd always go and, and see what they did this month. You knew, I don't remember where the consolidated ad was, but you're like, oh, yeah, they're going to say something. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it. I wish, yeah. And 411 ads. What magazine are you thinking about right of, now? Did you Are you memorizing Thrasher, Transworld, Sap, I'm, or other? I'm thinking of, I think I'm thinking of Thrasher. Because that's where the girl ad, I, I swear, was front of book. Maybe after Can't the imagine Consolidated running an ad in Transworld, but yeah, maybe, they they maybe they don't beef that hard like on SoCal. I mean, I, I, I can see the, the, the questionable paper Thrasher was printed on at the time. And like the, the, all that text in the Consolidated ad was a little, a little rough to read, but you could make it out. I always think of the ads in Slap, like just black and white newsprint. Mm-hmm. looks like shit there's like just crazy amounts of stuff on the page i would oh, love if chromeball yeah. did a, a consolidated remembrance like i, did, I didn't oh shit. look but I, I feel like all that shit is is worth remembering and worth cataloging dude like it's amazing that you guys can recall like this uh one thing i'm thinking about in older magazines was um older thrashers for a while they were running fresh jive ads and they were kind of oh, edgy because yeah. because they always had porn stars in their in their ads, and I was wondering, like that was like that was like a late '90s thing. Like there was like a, a couple years where like the f- open up like first it would be like what page? So if cover is cover count is page one? I think so. No, no. no? Well, You've actually wait, worked I in. I've, I've worked in print. Yeah, I'm trying to think of proofs. Yes, I I honestly don't actually know. I'm saying no, but. I don't, I don't remember. But I mean, like, there'd be the cover, inside of the cover, and then, like, that first ad that you see was always a fresh jive with adult film stars or people just kind of hanging around semi-nude. And, you know, I'm wondering, like, would that still fly in skating now? I mean, you're not strictly advertising to, like, 16 to 21-year-old dudes anymore, so I don't, I don't see that. Yeah, from, like, the marketing that perspective, that's, that, that ain't happening anymore. I also don't think that those kind of things are that edgy anymore oh no because like, oh, i think that was the nudity. point is that it was edgy it's kind of yeah. amazing <laughs> i mean it was like you find something more graphic just kind of scrolling through instagram on a random tuesday night oh the explore page if you like click two wrong videos turns into yeah well the, the <laughs> algorithm is always funny too because i mean it'll be something that will be not even not even related to anything sex and then all of a sudden just just like that next you know it's freak city on the ground. Yeah, it gets way too horny without, <laughs> with, with, without anybody doing it on purpose. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but back to Consolidated. Yeah, it, it's, I'm trying to think. Like, there are other companies that have reached or passed the 30-year mark, but they're all very, very different. Like Consolidated, I mean, it's hard to be a shit stirrer for that long. And somehow they managed to keep it up. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they had a good run, and I think that it's smart of them to just hang it up. I mean, it, doing that shit for 30 years has got to be tiring. Oh my gosh, yeah. I was just going to kind of reiterate, like the shit stirring just ain't what it used to be in terms of skate culture, culture more widely. People don't like getting, like people can't handle getting called out in life for much of anything. And skateboarding is a lot more kumbaya. Is it though? I, I mean, also the thing is, I mean, called out for what? Because are we just going to dive into, right into beef? Are we let's at that do point? It. Let's do it. Okay. We're 22 minutes in. Let's fucking talk beef. All right. Let's talk because uh, I got some things to say. I got some things in right. my mind. Let me, let me do the intro. All right. Uh, Consolidated isn't the only one with industry beef. 
Just this week, Elijah Burl and Austin Gillette were beefing. Austin said some shit about Elijah on the <laughs> Nine Club. And Elijah clapped back on Instagram. That got us thinking about beef. audio in. <laughs> I'm not going to drop the audio in. Uh, I will okay, link to it. find it. Sorry. Well, that, that got us thinking about beef across the industry. Uh, Patrick, what great skate beefs come to your mind? All right. Off top, I think we got to establish a difference because there's a rivalry and this feels more like a rivalry and then there's beef because beef is something that can be bought to your door. It's my belief that if it's beef, it means that there's either violence or the threat of violence or the risk of violence. But I guess for the sake of conversation, we'll just use the word beef. I think it was Chrome Ball some years back. Um, and this is weird. This is, old, this is old head beef, but Ryan Hickey talking about how he wanted to get down and fight with Ricky Oyola. Am I correct? Am I remembering that correctly? I'm not sure. In, in doing research for this, I realized there's a whole lot of beefs that I'd forgotten about or that I'm very, very hazy about. So shout out to everybody who commented on Twitter to my beef question. Uh, you definitely helped refresh a lot of my memory. Yeah. Well, and that Ryan Hickey Chrome Ball interview is kind of a, just a grievance list. So I don't remember either. While I look this up, something to, to think about is, you know, in the 90s, and in the 90s, it was way more common for people to just get in fights. Like, things could kick off wherever, whenever. And again, I got to talk about that Tony Ferguson Bunt interview, because he talks about how skaters in Vancouver started uh, running around with Mace, and Mace thinks security guard, which is just next level stupid, the kind of charge that you could catch for that. And, you know, he talks about going to Europe and getting in fights, getting into all sorts of shit, getting kicked out of clubs because something went down with Sheffy. And Sheffy is a much calmer and happier person these days. But in the 90s, he could get down. He, he took on the Wu-Tang Clan. He, he took on Method Man and lived to tell the tale. He grabbed the mic from Method Man and didn't die. But MTV Sports Music Festival. Yep. But I just, I just don't think this whole Elijah Austin thing is beef for real, for real. I mean... If these two see each other tonight at the Cha-Cha Lounge, it's St. Patrick's Day also. Say happy St. Patty's to everybody. Um, if these two see each other at Cha-Cha Lounge over in Silver Lake tonight, you all think there's going to be scrapping? Is there going to be glasses thrown? You know, Is somebody going to produce a weapon? Is, you know, no. It's not going to get Nobody's getting down like that. And those people who are in skateboarding, you know, they're not airing out just over Instagram like that being reckless. Uh, at least I hope not anyway. But... I don't know. Do you all think that there's a distinct difference now where it's just internet rivalry? I don't think it's beef, you know? Yeah, that's interesting, your definition of beef, which I think is probably, like, technically correct. But I was just, just thinking, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of nuances between beef and rivalries and um, just fucking hating somebody. <laughs> and I feel like, hmm, I don't know how I feel. Mike, how are you feeling? I mean, this one's the the Elijah Burrell, Austin Gillette one's funny because it's just like a couple cool guys just kind of like taking pot shots at each other. <laughs> I mean, the, that Elijah Burrell clip is truly really funny because I didn't expect him to be that good at it in a lot of ways. And just denigrating someone's sponsors cuts the bone. So, yeah, I, I think I, I know what you're getting at, Patrick, with, with the beef, but I'd say, you know, as shorthand with, with some hazy definitions, I'm okay with calling it beef, but yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I don't know. They're, are they beefing? No. I don't, I'm, I'm reminded of uh, the Fugazi song, song number one. Everyone's talking about their hometown scene, hurting people's feelings in the magazine. 
And that's what this feels like. And I've been listening to the I've been listening to the Alphabetical Fugazi podcast, and there'll be a link in the show notes because I'd like to talk about it a little bit more uh, later in the show. At the time, there were a bunch of zines, basically zines that were put together to either A, cool guy the fuck out of other people in the Washington, D.C. music scene, or B, genuinely be a zine that puts people on to cool music and art and culture. And people debated Fugazi endlessly, but they were so busy through most of the 1990s that they never like they never took that much time to respond. I mean, that's the thing. Like, it's always it's idle chatter. And what's what what's frustrating is that what's frustrating is that people feel like this is like a, a worthwhile use of their time. You know, because you don't get paid from beef. Nobody gets money from beef. Nobody gets money from from getting into rivalry with anybody within their same space. You know, thinking back, you know, on the on the music connection. Thinking about the '90s, we had a lot more rap beef for real, for real. You know, it was partially because you had rappers who maybe, you know, they were street dilettantes or maybe they used to be in the street or they were actually street dudes, but they're also running with street dudes who were wilding. And so a radio station might get run up on. There might be a fight at a show. It might be fight across the entire tour. And eventually people realize that, hey, like I'm catching a charge or this person's catching a charge. We can't travel anywhere. You're not making any money. You're losing shows. You, you know, you can't get the guarantee that you want because you're spending all this money on security. And show like what does what, what does what does beef actually do? You know what does this what does this rivalry stuff actually do? Nobody earns any money from it. I mean, it's fun to talk about, but and it's maybe it's even straight up entertaining, but nobody's actually earning money from it. It's corny. Yeah, I mean, I think it's all ego. You know, like these guys have big egos, totally. so that's why they're talking shit on each other. And as an observer, it's just funny. And I think that in the end, they both look bad. You know, like there's no real winner except for us, the the observers. <laughs> yeah. Another interesting thing about it, I mean, beyond like why are they doing this? Like, I don't know. You 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 pay enough attention to enough skateboarding, and I feel like there's there's almost omerit is not the right word, but it goes with what I'm trying to get at. Like Austin Gillette and Elijah Burl are both made men in skateboarding, if that makes sense. Like. Yeah, it's a fight in the same weight class, for sure. Yeah, and, like, generally, those dudes don't openly talk shit about anyone. Like, if... haven't watched a Nine Club in a long time, but, like, they only... They'll only... Guests, hosts, etc. Like, they'll only shit talk something if it's so far, like, out the norm and so agreed upon, like, the you know, early 2000s world industries team. Like, they'll go to town on those dudes, but... In general, those guys don't don't badmouth anything, and so this is like this is definitely at least breaking some norms. Even though, yeah, it's also corny. Yeah, that's true. I, I guess, and sometimes I, I like something where it's joking, like Yuto kind of poking fun at Nija. That's just fun. I think, and Yuto seems like a really sweet guy, and you know, he's just a young dude, a young Olympic gold winner, just living his life, cooling out, having fun, cracking jokes on the gram, but. To me, like, it feels like a big waste of time. There's something like you really could be doing something else. Also, you're taking up time in your interview on the Nine Club to talk shit on some other skater. And then likewise, you're shitting on some other skater on the gram. Like, come on. Like, either jump in the DMs or get a phone call or do it face to face. It's corny. I mean, skaters are also super well known for facing things head on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just, you know what? It, it's What's also interesting, too, is... 
you wonder how, what will people think when they look back in however many years. And I know that somebody had jumped in to Templeton, your original request, when you were looking to resurface what were some of the old rivalries, old beefs from back in the day. And somebody said uh, Tony Magnuson and Mike Tonaski, and I think it was Jason who linked out to an interview with Tony Mag uh, from 2012, in which he said some pretty horrible things about Mike Tonaski. Uh, the sort of thing that would be grounds for like uh, grounds for somebody to be run up on, like really like frighteningly disrespectful, like that. That to me was surprising that somebody would say something like that and be cool with that, just living out there in public forever. Yeah, that was a little surprising, but I, I think in the end, his comment was meant in kind of like a, a begrudging respect towards Ternaski. But yeah, the way he portrayed it was uh, yeah not so great. Well, he did a pretty shitty job of showing any remorse if he had any, but you know what? I mean, however many years later, it's, um, that's still going to sting for somebody. That's still, that's, that's still a pretty hurtful, the things he said. But, you know, I guess that was also the point. I mean, shit, Rocco went in. I remember you could go into a whole list of, you know, you, know, you could go to World Industries' whole enemies list. And you could have probably an entire conversation just about that. I mean, goodness, just them beefing with Powell, like endlessly needling until basically they won and took all their best riders over and over and over again. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of uh, brand against brand beef. You know, it's it's pretty easy to to steal somebody's rider and then like there's a lot of hate there, you know, because there's money involved. If you fuck up somebody's money, they're going to hate you forever. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. But still, though. Ah, just so frustrating. Um, there were some interesting ones in the 90s. I remember there was that one tour where Berra basically ended up quitting or getting kicked off of 101, where he was permanently beefing with Javante and with Kareem. And I seem to remember a transcript of the argument that he was having with Javante. And I just don't get it because he says something along the lines like, okay, cool, black guy. Um, and maybe I'm reading it completely wrong, but it just seemed like one of those things where it was a combination of young unsupervised teenagers on tour not knowing how to act homesick tired bored wanting to be doing some something else and definitely not wanting to be on the road with each other in in cramped corners and i, I don't know like some of this stuff like it seems like a lot of the details are lost to time because so many of these people have made up i remember i remember seeing a picture of Barra and Javante some years back like shaking hands and just being like you know uh, the shit was all in the past well, it's yeah. like what you were saying, like nobody gets paid off it. I mean, and it's such young dudes, underlying dudes. Mm -hmm. Big dude energy here. Big dude energy. You were saying Templeton. Oh, what was I saying? Shit. I don't even remember. I mean, should, should we talk about any of these specifics that we got on the list? I honestly don't remember them super well. Oh, Taz Pappas and uh, the Pappas Brothers versus Tony okay, Hawk. Well, that was entertaining. Well, I, I, I was remember wrestling. that one. I remember that one. That was wrestling, and I'm sure the Pappas brothers would have been, they would have been ready to throw down with Hawk. Big Mr. Don't Play energy from both of them. What was the Foundation versus Santa Cruz beef, though? That sounds like some 1993 shit that I don't know about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder if who that's like who? Uh, Jason Rothmeyer got stolen from Foundation and moved to Santa Cruz. Uh... Was, was there something like, maybe, maybe he had an ad for both companies, and that's how, that's how the news got out there that he moved? Maybe. That sounds vaguely familiar. I bet there's a Chrome ball ex explanation for that. Yeah, likely. Probably. Or, um, wait, Steve Barra had beef with DC? Like, was this beef or was it just, just misunderstandings? Come on. 
Yeah, and I don't. I don't know what the Bear versus DC one is. Also, I'm trying to think. Um, what looks interesting though, Danny Wade versus Chris Markovich. Is it historical or is it current? I don't know. I should have edited this list. These, okay, I'm, I'm going to surface a real beef that was actually pretty entertaining and kind of rad. The uh, Ty Evans versus Pat Canale video reviews in Big Brother magazine. Like, was it, it was in Chomp on This where Ty holds up his board and he has spray painted Fuck Canale onto his grip tape. And yeah, Pat Canale would rip his videos, then Ty would put it out there, clear as day. Hardest Ty's a real one. Well, Ty's out, <laughs> Ty is outside, so to speak. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm just playing. Actually, if you want to talk interesting beef with consequences, getting banned from Thrasher, which was really interesting because if you don't know, I don't know, just a thing. Like you're just like, how come they're not in Thrasher anymore? If you don't know, you like you'll never figure it out. Like it's it seems like very very inside knowledge. And we have a list of some names: Jamie Thomas, Danny Gonzalez, Bill Pepper, uh, Frank Harada. I think was actually banned from was banned from Thrasher, but I could be wrong on that one. And I don't know. That doesn't seem surprising. I mean, a magazine, you know, a magazine is not a democracy. Like, they don't have to run a picture or a story with you. Yeah, that, and that's an easy one. It's just like, yeah, we didn't run the photo, you know? Sorry, wasn't, wasn't uh, what we were looking for. And then I think uh, Bill Pepper rises to the Patrick definition of beef because didn't he go in there and clock Phelps? Am I, I remembering so. that right? I think he went in and tore up the office. And clocked Phelps. Okay. That's wild. Real beef. That's real beef. We, I mean, and then... Where's the beef? It's there. Yep. High, High Speed Productions. productions. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. See, that's real beef right there. Or um, who else? I mean, like, Henry Sanchez. Didn't he, didn't he smash up a computer at World and fight Rocco? I don't know about that. I don't know. Um, seems plausible. Seems plausible. And also, I'm sure people, a lot of people in the industry were low-key like, yo, my dude, like, on the low, that was awesome. Like, Rocco pissed off a lot of people in skateboarding, and so I'm sure there was definitely people who were thinking, like, love to run in there one day and fuck shit up. But, yeah, there's also some stuff in, there's also some stuff in skateboarding that is really, you know, is really business, but for some reason it turns into beef. Like, remember the whole, my goodness, the huge back and forth between Mark Johnson when he left Lakai to go to Adidas, and everybody at Lakai found out in the, I think it was the Adidas video premiere. Yeah, way it is. Yeah, and then it became a huge thing. It went back and forth because uh, Mike Carroll did an interview. Didn't Mark Johnson also do an interview? Jankum got the Carroll exclusive, I think. Yeah, which is wild. Shout out to shout out to the Jankum fam. That was actually entertaining. That was <laughs> that MJ to Adidas move is one of the biggest non-events in skateboard history. Go on. He's got like two clips since then, and it doesn't look like he skates in them. It looks like it's like, <laughs> shit, Adidas is making me go film a clip. Just saying. I don't know. I think All he right. had some personal stuff that he was, he was dealing with. I remember an inter- a semi-recent interview with him in which somebody was catching up with him about business and company, which may or may not be done, and also some, some family issues that he was having as well. You know, he's also struggled with, you know, with recovery and... That's, right. you know, an every like a day by day challenge and, you know, and also the pandemic hit. So, you know, I give him some forgiveness for that. But yeah, maybe the whole leaving Lakai and going to Adidas could have been handled better, but it's in the past. It, it was what it was. But you're right. Like you're both right that it was entertaining as shit. <laughs> so I have uh, I don't know if it falls into beef, but, you know, after I say something flippant about Mark Johnson, I'd uh, put something 
I reviewed a Zoo York video and I, I think I, I do feel bad about this, but I, I reviewed the, the Zoo York video from 2008, 2009 on my old skate blog, platinumseagulls.com. And yeah, I do feel bad about this. I hastily said that uh, Donnie Barley was looking a little old in his video part. And apparently that got back to him and he was looking for me for <laughs> for a little bit. Word? I guess, <laughs> I guess he was like asking people like, yo, you know who this guy is? <laughs> Wait, he was really going to get on the, the jet blue to Minneapolis? I don't know. I don't know. I, I would, I would, uh, people who perhaps were asked about me were joking like, Donnie Barley's going to beat your ass, you know? It's it pretty funny. I don't know. The, the fact that you're laughing about it now makes me think that you were ready for it back then, that you had the whole crew ready to, to run up and def- help defend oh, you. Dude, I was absolutely, well, I wasn't like, you know, who's got my back? <laughs> Barley rolls up, but. Um, I was definitely like, fuck, this sucks. And especially now that I've gotten older, it's like, oh, yeah, that was a dick move. So sorry, Donnie Barley. Yeah, we, we all made mistakes on our early blogs back in the day, just definitely airing out things that we should not have. But you know what? That's um, It's growth. We're adults. And, you know, hopefully we can put that forgiveness and good vibes out in the air. That being said, that would have been badass if Donnie Barley came to your town looking for you and you rolled up with like, it. 10 skaters and be like, what's up? I mean, I got to imagine in that 2008 Zoo York video, Donnie probably wasn't looking uh, at his best, you know? Come on, Templeton. Don't re-spark this beef. Sorry. Don't, don't, don't come at me, Uncle Don Don. <laughs> also, I mean, uh, old compared, what is old in skateboarding in 2008 compared to 2022? When, oh, you know, oh when, I'm, when I'm 26? Yeah. <laughs> it's a very different <laughs> thing than it is now, man. Dog, you 40 plus. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I've seen the light. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You, yeah, you'll be older too. It, it's just interesting because, um, you know, the, the wrong beef with the wrong distributor. You know, if it's a beef that's in a van, like you know, it can have serious repercussions on the long term health of your of your career. Like um, I was thinking about Darren Harper duffing out Stevie Williams and how much of a problem that caused. And now they're both grown men. They got kids, you know, they're both living their lives. Like Darren Harper is holding it down at Pulaski and his kids are skating and they're really good. And he was on the news with them. And I really hope that those two keep skating and his two kids keep skating. But, you know, at the time we were, people were just like, yo, why would you do, you hit Stevie? Like Steve, Stevie was putting you, it was like, he was paying it for, he was trying to put you on to be like the next Stevie. Oh, but it was kind of wild to see a pro skater getting duffed out. And I, if I recall, was it on home turf? Was it in was Philly? That like Manny, Manny Madness in New York? Why oh, do it was I in New York. This? Okay. Shit. Still, though, I, I mean, you know, you would see hints of that and stuff like 411. And then, oh, oh, oh. If we're talking about, if we're actually talking about beef for real, for real, Mike Vallely. Yeah, I would not want beef with Mike Vallely. Oh, hell no. <laughs> I, I was just thinking, he, he was uh, chasing around Gabe Rodriguez at. Uh, Slam City Jam four one one twelve maybe. Oh, that was like that menace beef. It was like Gabriel Rodriguez and somebody from Menace. Like something happened, and weren't they able to chill it all out? Did somebody run up with like, hey, 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 hey? We all used to ride for the Bones Brigade together. Be cool, man. <laughs> but yeah, you know, Mike Vallely fought four dudes at four once. Random ox. Yeah, like like fuck those dudes up. If you really think about like. Squared him up. I mean, it was like that shit was like the Terminator. It was amazing. But at the same time, though, would you ever risk it? I mean, like, think about that. Um, 
when uh, the first time that he was on the barracks and they're trying to present the rules to him and he was just like, what you talking about? No hand plants, no fast plants, no nothing like that. I do what I want. Who's going to stand up to, who's going to say, like, actually, that's not how you do it. <laughs> yeah, nobody. Man, imagine if Vallely busted out like, all right, you got to do a half flip into a barrier or you get a letter. <laughs> like, you got to endo it, flip onto the Onto the onto the windshield of the skate car, that's the trick. I mean, that's the thing. Like, there are people who will occasionally they will make comments about Vallely sponsors, and I think that what's interesting is that they always say like, "I'm just saying this all in good fun," you know. They're always with the qualifier, always in good fun. We cool, right? Because also remember, you know, he also he tours a bit. Like, uh, he was singing for Black Flag for a while. He plays hockey. Like, this is a guy who can fight in lots of different... He can fight you in the pit. He'll fight you in the street. He'll fight you at the show. You know, he'll fight you at the contest. Like, that's that's real. Elijah Burl ain't saying shit about Mike's sponsors. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and Mike, I, I could definitely see Mike being a dude who'd be like, I'm going to jump on that easy jet that I'm going to see you at Burbank. <laughs> uh, fly out of Des Moines. Exactly. Just like run like a quick coupon, you know? Use some points. You know he's got the points saved up. Shit. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. No, but you know what? I I think also Vallely got a lot of love because he would fight security guards at contests who were being dicks to the skaters. And, you know, when he would skate street, you know, he's an intimidating dude. You know, he'll do that. Like, you can always tell, like, y'all have been out and about in nightlife. You can always tell somebody who knows how to fight. There's something about them. Like, it's like, it's... Action movies don't do a good job of portraying it. It's like they go from, it's not like they're on permanent zen. That They can go from zero to 100. It's wild. It's, uh, it, it's, an amazing, it's an amazing thing to see somebody who can just like turn it on just like that. But yeah, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I hope I didn't say anything that will get me, on, like, get, get me on his hit list. Vallely, I hope we're cool. <laughs> I would be stoked if none of us get beat up for uh, this episode. Which brings us to the end of our show where we talk about what we're stoked on. Mike, what are you stoked on this week? I'm stoked on, uh, well, it's spring, and then I'm also out of town, which means I'm missing sloppy season in Minneapolis, which is just a melty, icy, dirty wasteland right now. But it's getting better, and hopefully we'll be skating outside soon. Also stoked on, um, just thinking of the beef concept for this episode, it reminds me of... uh, my buddy Todd, who um, I think under the force of uh, expected violence, used to ban skaters from downtown Minneapolis, where um, you cross the line, you get banned. And you just can't skate down there. And uh, I know of a handful of guys who got the ban. I think uh, it's probably better off that skating isn't like that anymore, but it's, it's still funny as hell. So stoked on getting banned from downtown. Uh, Patrick, what are you stoked on this week? Stoked on a lot this week. Speaking of getting banned from downtown Minneapolis, I'm just thinking about, imagine being a security guard in Vancouver in the mid-1990s, the Red Dragons run up on you and spray you with mace. And you're thinking, like, I'm doing this for minimum wage? Lord. Anyway, I'm stoked on Spitfire Wheels. I'm stoked on a book called Republic of Shame by an Irish author called Marion Keyes. It's really, really good. I went to the Their Skateboards video premiere this last Saturday in LA uh, over on Fairfax. It was really fun. I can't wait until the general public gets to see it. Amazing skating and 
really on point music supervision. Stoked on Bigfoot Magazine, got to meet Gabriella, uh, one of the contributors and one of the, uh, the big timers over at Bigfoot. Um, it was really cool to meet her and also to hang out with uh, the CSEF gang, some folks from Jenkum as well. So shout out to Matt Price, Tommy, Keegan. Um, it was just great to see everybody. Like it felt like a, a real Saturday night out and I got to get hot chicken too, which is uh, neighbor's skate shop. Uh, over here in Lamert Park, which is not too far from me in LA. And finally, the alphabetical Fugazi podcast, especially the final episode with, uh, I think, the first joint interview by Ian, Ian Mackay and Guy Pichotto since the band went on indefinite hiatus, I think 20 years ago. So it's a really awesome listen. I know a few people who were uh, interviewed for that podcast series. It's really, 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 really good. And Fugazi are an awesome band. Templeton, which you stoked on. Fugazi is an awesome band, for sure. I'm stoked on spring. Just had like a really nice sunny day yesterday. It is shitty today. But, um, you know, ha having the sun hit like that, I can just feel the spring coming. So that gets me excited. Also on the spring vibes is I found a hummingbird nest in my yard. So I'll be observing that closely throughout uh, the spring and summer. You gotta, yeah. you gotta put up a hummingbird feeder. I know. I actually, my desk is by a window, so I'm, I'm gonna set up a hummingbird feeder on the window, so I can just like watch the hummingbirds when I should be working. Excellent. And I'll be stoked on that one of these days. But for now, that's it for our show this week. Be sure to check out mostescapeboarding.net for links to the things that we talked about and other show notes. Until then, you can keep up with us all week online. Patrick, where can the people find you? You can find me on Twitter under the handle at Colonel K Speaks. You can also find me on Instagram at Pikagongo. And I am continuing to do cool stuff with the Harold Hunter Foundation. Mike, where can the people find you on Bobby Digital's internet, internet, internet? I'm on Twitter and Instagram with the same handle at M Munzenrider. Hey, Templeton, where are you at? You can find me on Twitter at Mostly Skate, on Instagram at Mostly Skateboarding. And kind of on TikTok, at Templeton Elliot. I probably should change that handle. But yeah, I'm there, kind of. So uh, check that out, or not. TikTok's so fucking weird. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next week. Be safe.